0: Welcome to the Books and Travel Podcast. I'm Jo Frances Penn, thriller and dark fantasy author, bringing you escape and inspiration about unusual and fascinating places, as well as the deeper side of books and travel. You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page, and if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, Download one of my ebooks for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Hello, travellers. I'm Jo Frances Penn, and in today's episode, I'm talking to Caro Feely about her organic vineyard in Saucignac in the Dordogne area of France. We talk about why she and her husband gave up successful careers to take on a run-down vineyard in a new country. The struggles they went through to build up the business, even down to blood shed on the land itself – There are a surprising number of ways to die in a vineyard, which we talk about, (laughs) which might lend itself to a book in my own future. We also talk about the importance of terroir, the unique taste of a place due to all the environmental factors of the land and the different wines they produce at Chateau Fili, as well as some book recommendations. So I'm recording this introduction on day 30 of coronavirus lockdown here in the UK. And although I've been drinking plenty of wine at home, (laughs) I wish I could be sipping a glass of Chateau Fili's Saint-Sérité, a Sauvignon Blanc, in the afternoon sun looking out over the rows of vines. I think that would just be marvellous. Now, of course, I love the area where I live in Bath in the southwest of England, just on the edge of the Cotswolds. It's really beautiful and I have plenty of places to walk. I'm very grateful for where I live, but my life has always been punctuated by travel. And right now I have a serious case of itchy feet. (laughs) I want to get moving again. My daily walks along the canal or up the nearby hills are just not enough. And as we count the days until we can see our family and friends again, let alone get back into the world, I hope you enjoy this little moment of escape. Caro Feely is a certified wine educator, writing part-time from the organic, biodynamic vineyard and wine school in Saussignac, France, that she owns and runs with her husband, Sean. Part Irish, part South African, and now part French, she is passionate about wine and life. Her books include memoir about the vineyard life and a non-fiction book, Wine, the Essential Guide to Tasting, History, Culture and More. Welcome, Caro.
1: Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to talk to you today.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. And as I said before recording, I wish I was there in your vineyard and we were talking over a glass of wine.
1: (laughs) For sure. That would be good.
0: That that would definitely be my my, uh, favoured way of doing this. But we're on Skype. So for now, we'll we'll just get into it. But you and I share a background in business consulting, which is so interesting. I was also at Accenture and briefly IBM. So tell me, why did you give up the corporate life for a French vineyard?
1: Well, it's quite a story. I guess it goes back pretty far. Sean and I met in johannesburg back in 1993 and we pretty quickly said wouldn't it be great to go wine farming he had grandparents that were wine growers in stellenbosch in south africa well near cape town and i had shared a house with a guy that was a master of wine so we both had this passion for wine we were both in completely different careers at the time sean was a journalist and i was an economist, but um, just starting work for IBM as a consultant, and we started to cook up this idea of going wine farming, kind of following our passion, I guess, and we moved to Cape Town, and it was kind of a long shot. We didn't, you know, it was clear that we had to pay off our student loans before we had any chance of going (laughs) wine farming. (laughs) But uh, work actually then took us to Dublin and we both have Irish roots and we visited France on a wine holiday and we totally fell in love. And that was the start of maybe we'll go to France to follow our vineyard dream and not back to South Africa. And of course at that stage we were both in other, still in our, in other careers, Sean in finance and me still in, in consulting. But we had this this dream, this idea that that we wanted to pursue. And we just kind of kept our heads down, saved every penny that we had and slowly moved towards our goal. And I guess it was dream about it first, start to think about, well, what can we do? We can't do it right now, but what can we do to kind of prepare ourselves for this? And that was things like, you know, learning French, visiting France for research purposes, to taste wine, of course, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and slowly bringing that, bringing it together. We were preparing ourselves, doing things like learning French, learning about wine, visiting France to learn more about it and slowly moving ourselves closer to the goal of um, kind of moving to France and following this dream. But of course, you don't know that you're going to do it until you actually do it. It's one of those things. I'm sure you had that that feeling when you kind of really jumped off with your writing business. There's a point where you have to just jump off. Mm. And you can do preparation up to a certain point and then you've just got to jump. And... I guess we slowly made ourselves our way our way towards that it was interesting when I think we were we were still in a rental apartment in Dublin and I read in an Oprah magazine that you should always like have an idea of where you'd like to be in five years time and I said to Sean oh this is what we must do even though we'd been kind of talking vaguely about this vineyard in France we had never actually put it down on paper and really said, look, where do we want to be in five years? And so I twisted his arm and we did, each of us, a one-pager about where would ideally we'd like to be in five years. And they were both almost identical, you know, on a vineyard in France, growing our own wine, growing our own foods, self-sufficient. And it was pretty amazing that almost five years to the day, We actually moved to France and did that very thing. So I think um, it's, it's a case of when you start to put it out there and you move towards it, it starts to happen for you.
0: Yeah, and I'm totally believer in that. And it's interesting because it took a lot of years then for you to go from that sort of initial thinking about it in South Africa through to that moment. And you mentioned jumping off point, the moment when you knew. Tell us about where you live in France and about the vineyard and the wine school. Give us a sense of Chateau Fili.
1: Yeah, well, Chateau Fili is, it's a 14-tier farm, so about 35 acres It is half of that is vineyard and the other half is forest. And we have, we're on the edge of Sosignac village. So we're actually, we're kind of rural, but we're also walking distance to two restaurants and with, a little bit of life nearby. So it's not like we're isolated rural. So I guess the, that's that's good because like the girls could walk up to catch the bus to school. So things like that made life kind of easier in the early days when we really needed to work uh, hard and long hours. And even now, of course, we still do. <laughs> but the the place itself is an old farm. It is you find it on the original maps made of the region Napoleonic times it's got a well that dates back to the Gallo Roman times and the middle part of our house so kind of where our kitchen is is a lookout that was built during the English rule so around the 14th century mm. so it's Beautiful. We're on the kind of top of a hill looking down onto the Dordogne Valley. So it is a very, very beautiful place. And we're in a very welcoming area with amazing lines. So we were, we, we were idiots without a clue, but we landed in a pretty incredible spot.
0: Yeah, it just sounds fantastic. And the pictures on your website, I urge everyone to go to your website, which we'll have links in the show notes and things. But obviously now it's perfect and wonderful. I'm sure it's not perfect. There's always things to do, right? But when you got there, it was not like this was it so tell us everyone has this romantic idea well I say everyone I mean you know I've read the books and seen the movies of the lovely sunlight on the vines and it just seems wonderfully romantic but well, you know what, what was it like when you got there and what what are some of the challenges?
1: So I think that's you're totally right we all have this this idea of the beautiful vineyard and the kind of vine themselves and the amazing wine just um, getting into barrel and the wine grower kind of sitting, leaning on the beautiful red wine. But it's definitely a lot of hard work. And I think that comes through pretty clearly in my books. And the first one, Grape Expectations, which is the first three years. So essentially the move from city jobs in Dublin to kind of rural France, and the challenges of also moving country, new language, new new career. Two kids that were very young, Sophia was two and Ellie was only a few months old. So we, we made it harder for ourselves in many ways. But it was also good timing because uh, it, was a, it was the time for them to be able to start their lives here without having the difficulty of moving later on in, in their lives for our two daughters. But the, yeah, the, the first couple of chapters, I talk about what it's like when we first get here. And it was extremely run down. I mean, part of why we could follow the dream was that this farm was in liquidation. So it was a real mess. And It was it had it had been lived in but barely and it needed a serious serious amount of renovation.
0: Wow, that sounds fantastic! And I have seen the pictures on your website and they're absolutely beautiful. And I urge everyone listening to go have a look. It made me want to just jump on a Eurostar and come on over. (laughs) So um, obviously now the vineyard is perfect, or you know, obviously you've done you've done it up. But those pictures of dappled sun on the vines seem very romantic, and your books make it clear that it wasn't like that when you arrived. So, what are some of the challenges that you and your family have had to face?
1: Well, uh, you're absolutely right, Joe. It was uh, it was certainly not an easy ride, and. It, uh while the views were as beautiful as they are today, um, the rest of it was in a pretty terrible state. It was in liquidation, and um, the farm, so very run down. We really needed to start from kind of ground zero in terms of renovating the buildings. And it it felt pretty sad, actually, when we first arrived. I mean, it was incredibly dirty. It was just, I mean, there were mouse, inf- mice everywhere, mouse infestation. It was uh, pretty scary, <laughs> but it has been a real adventure. So each each year, I guess we do a little bit more on the renovation because we couldn't do everything all at once at the start. And the finances kept us from um, doing everything we wanted to do, which is probably a blessing because you learn so much as you go. And you realize what you need to do and what you want to do and understand better about the heritage of the environment as well and our natural environment. So that I think our renovations have improved with time because uh, we have a better understanding of our place and of our, our, our natural environment, in fact.
0: Mm. And, uh, you know, were there any particular moments where you and Sean kind of went, what have we done? You know, anything that stands out uh, where you wondered if maybe you'd made a mistake?
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. In the first book, my first of the three in the memoir series, it's called Grape Expectations. And that one is, I guess, you could call it uh, the valley of despair because there were definitely some moments there where we were really wondering what we had done. And I think just thinking of it, you know, the great expectations, it starts off with us leaving Dublin, nice, safe, secure jobs and kind of leaping off and starting this completely new career in rural France with two young kids. And it was pretty, uh, a great adventure, as I already said, but probably the moments that's, that stand out for me, one of them was in our first spring, Sean had an accident with the vine trimmer, which, um, if you know anything about vines, is an extremely scary piece of equipment. It's a massive kind of system of knives, essentially. Oh, God. <laughs> cuts the vines and it's 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 like a big box that goes over the vines and this box is just full of knives so one false move and it's all going to end very very badly and for sean one day it kind of did and he cut himself very badly on his arm and there's kind of blood everywhere and i was Half fainting because I can't really take this the. I kept having to sit down and put my head between my legs because I just was, <laughs> I was going to pass out, and then I really wouldn't have been any help to him. So I'd kind of get up and I'd do something, and then I'd sit back down and put my head between my legs, and then I'd get up and do something else, and then have to sit down again. Um, and anyway, luckily the emergency services came pretty quickly, and uh, the the service we got from the the hospital uh, the hospital in bergerac in that first year was exceptional we we visited them more times than you'd want to and then the second the second incident also kind of i i guess these moments where you you'll ne- never kind of forget the experience uh, it was harvest time and it was our last harvest day we were very tired it was our first harvest so we really didn't know what we were doing we were having to work kind of double how, uh, the amount that someone who knew what they were doing would have to do because we didn't know the ropes. And Sean and we'd finished the, the the morning's harvest. He was kind of going, oh, I think, you know, I'll go in and have some coffee. And then he was like, oh, no, I'll just clean this harvest trailer before I go in. And brain kind of went into neutral and he went to clean it, but he thought he hadn't taken the cap off the back of the harvest trailer and in the dark, he went to take it off, but actually the cap was already off, and he chopped his finger off on the harvest trailer. So truly, truly horrendous stuff. I mean, he ran in, and uh, again, it was like I've cut, you know, I've chopped my finger off, and oh, dear. So that's just a, a little taster of that that first year, but it has been quite an adventure Going forward from from there, so the other the other books probably not quite as frightening in terms of immediate accidental uh, or body body harm, but just as exciting in
0: in many other ways. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you say. Well, first of all, my thriller mind is going. Oh, I could set a murder mystery on a, a vineyard. <laughs> with, oh, with a, I tell you, I could like that. I clearly need to do more research. Um, but the other thing is, I mean the I don't know that much but the sort of the French folklore the countryside the the vines maybe you needed a sacrifice in some form uh, oh, to the land you know to you know, make it work really
1: really I mean Sean is part of his terroir you know his finger is out there it's part of the land here so for sure there's there there there's no, there's no question about that. He is definitely part of his terroir. It didn't <laughs> go into the wine. It went into the, you know, into the washing water. And I looked for the finger, but a million grapes look just like a million fingers. Let me tell you. <laughs> so <laughs> that is a brilliant story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and for you with your murder mystery, there are four dumb ways to die as a wine grower, and one is, in fact. Probably the most uh, prevalent is CO2 asphyxiation. Ah. And actually, in the 15 years that we've been here, the these four ways to die have actually happened within like a 10 kilometer radius of us. So it's not just something that's oh, it might happen to you, it's really something that actually happens you know on the ground all the time, and of course there's the more awareness there is, but usually around harvest time, people are tired because they it's their livelihood that's depending on them kind of getting it in at the right moment, and so on. I think it's the same for all farmers, and so you're under extreme pressure, you're dealing with heavy machinery. And you can easily just make a tiny mistake that can be fatal. And so CO2 asphyxiation is the first one. The second one is machinery. So like falling into a harvest trailer, which happened to somebody. I can tell you that's that's even more horrendous thought than just the finger on the harvest trailer. The third one is falling from height. So mm falling from, like if you're on top of that and you're working with it, you can, you know, I guess overbalance, but also you might get a little bit of CO2 that would make you not necessarily asphyxiated, but enough to make you fall off. And then the fourth one is electrocution because you're working with liquids and very high powered equipment like presses and heat exchanges and so on so it really is
0: quite a quite a scary thing that's Um, so so funny but let's be clear if people come and stay at your chateau they're not going to be working on the land (laughs) oh no no
1: absolutely absolutely not no they they wouldn't and and also I mean the first thing we did when um, we arrived was like redo all electricity so that and and take the you know put barriers on the 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 vats that are at a height and things like that so we you know you can make it safer and but you still need to be aware for sure but absolutely no guests are definitely not going to be exposed to that by any (laughs) means no no
0: but I think it, it is clear the the amount of work I think that's what when you say the word farmer, it's funny because I I feel like we often don't associate a vineyard as a farm. You know, you think cows and animals and yeah. stuff like that. Whereas you know the vines obviously take a lot of work. And but you mentioned the word, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but ter- terroir. Yes. Uh, so and that word is often used in association with wine. So what does it mean, and how is it related to the the land?
1: So the this
0: terroir
1: word yes we love it in France it's a it's a word that is about the taste of place when you say it's a product of terroir it's a product that tastes of where it's from and essentially we say the terroir is the soil the microclimate the grape type and how we farm and for us that's the soil part is all about limestone which is ancient compressed seabed and that gives us a real minerality in the wine and then the second so microclimate well, it's things like, yes, the general climate of Aquitaine, where we are. So we're about 20 minutes from Bergerac and an hour from Bordeaux. Mm. So we're in southwest France, which is pretty warm, but not as hot as, say, Languedoc. And then the micro parts, so the microclimate, not just the general climate, the microclimate, things like which way is the slope facing? Is there a body of water nearby? These What what the soil type is as well, because if it's gravels, it's going to be warmer. Than And say if it's limestone and clay, like we have. So, there are many factors that play into the microclimate and then the the variety so the grape type or what you've got growing and then finally the 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 farmer and what he's doing not just in the farming but in the actual making of the product as well and i think this is a very important point about the that that it is farming and that quite often is forgotten and whenever i speak at wine events or wine dinners and that sort of thing people often say wow that came you know i've never really thought of it as farming just as you did and for me, that's a really important aspect of, of wine is that really the quality in your glass is all about what we do as the farmer. And that's so important to the, I guess, for us, the organic and biodynamic, the way that we farm here is, is really dear to our hearts, something we we believe is super important to the quality in your glass and certainly to the taste that you're going to get. So not just in terms of the quality, the depth of flavor and so on, but also to avoid like the taste, the negative taste of potential pesticides that could be in the wine.
0: Mm. It's so interesting that you're obviously taking so much care of the land and, you know, your adopted land really. And, yeah. you know, it's it's wonderful that you've sort of gone that deep because most of us don't go that deep. You know, I live in a house on a bit of land <laughs> and and I, I don't do much in the garden, to be honest. <laughs> so I think it's so interesting. But I wanted to ask you uh, about the different wines that you produce because, you know, again, I, bu- I love wine. I buy wine, but I tend to just you know drink wine i might know if yeah. i go to a restaurant i will, we always will ask the sommelier to recommend something or if you know if we do a matched wine sort of pairing we wait to see what the sommelier will will do so we always discover wine but you know most people will default to what they know so tell us a bit about the different varieti- varietals that you produce and i guess what kind of moods or situations you might associate with them
1: Yeah, that's a really great question, actually. And it ties into two things. One is the names of our cuvées of the wines that we make at Chateau Fili. So we, for example, have Sincerité is our pure Sauvignon Blanc, and we called it Sincerité for kind of play on words for Sancerre, because serre is a Sauvignon from the Loire Valley that's very mineral. And our first Sauvignon, uh, we started to call it Sincere as a kind of play on the words with Sincere, but also because for us it was very, the kind of wine that was like, I guess, someone being Sincere. It wasn't that easy straight up because it's very mineral and very fresh and got amazing length, but it's a really beautiful wine. So it's uh, like sincerity. it's uh, maybe not that easy on the first first pass, but then it's got an amazing length behind it. So that was a little bit how sincerity sin, Sincerité <laughs> came about. So Fili Sincerité, uh, pure Sauvignon. And actually, in the wine book that I wrote, so The Essential Guide to Tasting History, Culture and More, that book on page 64 has the kind of mood that goes with certain wines. And and uh, Sauvignon, I had kind of sharp and witty. So a kind of sharp and witty moment would be like a dry white wine, like a Sauvignon Blanc. And for me, that's also a little bit the, the, the Sauvignon that we make. Sincerité would be a real mineral and fresh, zesty kind of wine. And then the other white wine, um, we'll make a couple of other white wines, but the other one I'll pick out is uh, the Simeon that's barrel-aged, and that's called Generosité, so generosity. And again, Generosité is a really lovely, rich Simeon that's barrel-aged, almost like a, a great barrel-aged Burgundy Chardonnay. It's got that lovely Kind of generous mouthfeel, lovely richness in the mid palate that um, so kind of generous and loving feeling almost if you want to give it give it feelings. and hence so the name generosity so phil generosity has that that vibe about it. And then I'll pick up two two reds so our resonance feely resonance is a Merlot and again for us it was the resonance part was, because it's not like a Merlot from, say, Central Valley, California, or hot climate, you know, South Africa or Australia. It's a Merlot with a lot of backbone and kind of a, a resonance. It's got a, that minerality that comes from our terroir, the limestone, and it brings it, it, it yeah, it resonates. So for us, that was the the... Merlot. And then uh, the final um, one I'll pick out is our Cabernet, which is called Verite. So true, the truth, Verite, um, Fili Verite. And uh, so Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon, I guess you can get very bold, kind of brassy Cabernet Sauvignons, like like something from, say, California, something really rich and bold. And then you can get more, I guess. Contemplative, yeah, pensive kind of Cabernet blends, like some of the ones from the Medoc, or like our Grace, which is a blend of of Cabernet and and Merlot. That's a bit more like the contemplative wine, the wine you'd have, you know, sitting by the fire or with cheese after dinner, that kind of thing.
0: Oh, I'm gonna have to go open a bottle of something. I think. <laughs> No, I definitely, and I was thinking when you were were talking about the sauvignon being sharp and witty, I definitely am sharp and witty after drinking a few glasses of sauvignon Blanc. (laughs) So oh. I, <laughs> I love that. I, I think it's brilliant. I, I love that you have done named them uh, so well, which is, is so good. So I've read some of your books and I think they're fantastic. And I, I also love the wine one. But I wondered, apart from your own books, what are some other books you would recommend about vineyards or your area in France?
1: So good uh, request, actually. There are a couple I would pick out. The first is a woman called Patricia Atkinson, and it's a little bit of a while ago now that she wrote, but she wrote about her experience starting up a vineyard just three kilometers from where we are. So there's a kind of writer thing going on here. And Patricia Atkinson's first book called The Ripening Sun is a, is a great read. So that is my first pick. Then if you're looking for other books about the Dordogne not necessarily about wine, but in fact, there's a, there's a murder mystery in amongst the, the, the series, there's a writer called Martian Walker, who has written a series called Bruno Chief of Police. And they're all murder mysteries about the Dordogne. So those are for anyone interested in southwest France and the Dordogne in particular. It's a great way to read about the culture and the food and all of that and get wonderful sense of it while kind of having a, a story to back it up. And then the final one I'd recommend just in terms of vineyards, and it's not from this region, but it's from Italy, is by a guy called Frank Mati. And it is A Vineyard in Tuscany. So A Vineyard in Tuscany by Ferenc Maiti. And that is a really great read as well. Fantastic, a good laugh. And I guess for for us, we, we saw so much of what we went through in his story as well, but very well written as well.
0: Fantastic. Right. So where can people find you and your books and the vineyard and everything online? So, Chateaufeely.com. So, the family name Feely, feel
1: with e l y F-E-E-L-Y. And if you just put in Chateaufeely, you'll find us. So, Chateaufeely.com. Um, I also have an author website called Carafeli, but it's not as up to date as the Chateaufeely website. So, there's actually more information on the books at the moment on the Chateaufeely site.
0: Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Carrie. That was great. Thank you, Joe. And oh, just one other thing. I don't know if you'll be
1: able to include it again, but so all the books are obviously available from people's local bookstores and also from Amazon and Kindle and the usual suspects.
0: The usual suspects. Yeah, great. Thanks, Caro. <laughs> Thank you, Joe.
1: Lovely to talk to
0: you. Thanks for joining me today on the Books and Travel podcast. I hope you found a moment of escape. You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page and if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my books for free at jfpencom forward slash free. Happy travels until next time.